This is the Hunt, Fish, Conserve podcast, hosted by Ethan Evans and Tyler Swenson. Today we are interviewing Matt Evans, Ethan's cousin. Matt has lived in California most of his life, well actually all of his life I should say, and has been involved in outdoor pursuits his whole life. So I guess uh, we'll just start out with Matt. Like, How did you even get involved in the outdoors? Because if I'm not mistaken, I don't think your dad fished, did he? Um, you know, he really didn't. My dad wasn't a big fisherman, but, uh, my grandfather was, so I would say my grandfather really got me involved. So every summer we used to take, uh, trips around the, around the country, like a road trip and we'd go visit my grandparents who lived either in Montana or in Arizona, um, which both have some great fishing. So that's where I started out. I would say some of my happened there. Um, trout fishing in Montana. And then uh, we would, uh, after they moved from Montana to Arizona, uh, we would go bass fishing down a couple in some of the lakes like the Colorado River in Arizona. So, wait, um, was it just something you were drawn to, like from an early age? Or what was kind of like the draw to it? Just like seeing your grandpa do it? Well, as soon as you catch a fish, you know, it's pretty exciting. So, uh, actually earlier than that, uh, I spent, uh, you know, I lived in Alabama until I was, uh, eight, actually nine. And, uh, there's some great fishing down South. So I think the earliest fish that I caught were, you know, a little surf purchase on the dock in Alabama, but we had some friends that had some big boats and they would go out and they would bring, bring over like these huge red fish, you know, that were like bigger than I was at six or eight years old, these 50 pound red fish that they would catch. And uh, there's just something exciting about seeing that, but you know how it is. Like as soon as you catch your first fit in that fight, that's pretty exciting. And that guy, that got me hooked. And then we ended up moving to California and we lived, uh, 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 yeah, it's probably about a mile away from a lake, a little, uh, kind of a little man-made reservoir. Friends, you know, and, friends and I just started fishing there and we just got hooked on bass fishing then. We would just use super light line, like four pound tests, maybe six pound tests. We'd get there super early in the morning and use little hula poppers and stuff like that. And it was just great fun just hooking up to these little two pound bass, you know, and really light tank. Wow, that's really exciting, you know. And then uh, from there, we ventured out, you know, we got started growing up and my friend ended up getting a, like a moped and uh, <laughs> mobile at that time. I think he was like 14, maybe 15 at that time. So yeah, I want to say he was probably 14 and there's some great lakes close to us that had some real lunker bass. Uh, there's a lake called Sherwood Lake. It's actually the, the lake where they filmed all the Robin Hood uh the Robin Hood series, I think from like the fifties or sixties. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Basically anytime you see a movie film filmed at a lake, probably Sherwood Lake. So, or Lake Sherwood Lake, kind of in the hills, uh, really scenic, beautiful place um, with some huge bass. And they also stocked it with some rainbows there. So you could go there and, you know, limit out on rainbows and definitely limit out on bass. I'm really excited. Fish. Um, and you could catch, you know, eight, 10 pounders out of there. Pretty common. Happens. Uh, a bass and trout? Yeah. Well, not trout. So okay. Uh, trout. No, I want to say almost all the trout that you Maybe they were, but I doubt it. And they were all stocked? Yeah, all the trout were stocked. 
Um, but the bass were definitely spawning. There's some great areas where it's off the beds. But uh, that, yeah, once you caught, once you you know, once you hook up to a good fish, it's pretty exciting. And then once I discovered ocean fishing, it was like, man, like I was telling you earlier, like as soon as you hook up to a yellowfin tuna or a big yellowtail, that's just like a life-altering experience. <laughs> It's like, man, I just want to go out there and catch, you know, twenty pound tuna all day long. So that got me hooked, and that was like a huge part of my life. You know, back then I just spent every day—well, not every day, but you know, three times a week—we'd go there after school and just fish at the local lake. And then on the weekends, we'd go to some of the bigger local lakes where you could catch the bigger lunker bass. And then once we you know, started in with the ocean fishing. We kind of left the lake fishing behind. I can see why. Yeah, yeah I can see why. Who, who wants to catch a two-pound largemouth tuna or a yellowfin or something? Or a so when you said saltwater fishing, is that a lot you were chartering boats? I mean, you guys weren't surf casting there, were you? Oh, yeah, so that would that's what we would do is we would charter boats. So we have, a, they, you know, they're called party boats out here. And uh, so it'd be a boat where there's... 20 to, and uh, it's called cattle boats, you know, so you just pack on there and you could go from uh, usually like half day trips to some of the more serious trips or multi-day, like a week trip or something like that down to Mexico. But usually we do like a day trip. That was what we, and that's what I do now is like you go on a day trip or a day and a half trip, um, takes you out there and that's where you're going to you know, catch some big fish. So what's, what's that run you? Nowadays, I know it probably differs from boat to boat, but it's about two fifty now for a for the day and a half boat. So you would load up seven in the evening or so. You probably leave port, and it all depends on where the fish are. So, <clears throat> in the our saltwater fishing is very very seasonal, very dependent upon um, warm water. So if we don't have warm water then you really have to go down into Mexico to catch any fish. Um, if you're looking for real fish. So of course, like you can catch like, you know, striped sand bass or calico bass all day long, like off the kelp patties and stuff like that. Um, just from like a kayak or you, you really couldn't do it from shore, but you could fish off the jetties and catch stuff like that. You might be able to catch some bonita or some mackerel off of the jetties, but really to catch and you know people definitely catch some big fish off of kayaks here and you can do it it's it's challenging but people are doing it every day but if you want to catch you know a limit of yellowfin or a limit of yellowtail you got to really go out and if the water's not warm your boat's going to leave in the middle of the night and you're probably going to take a eight-hour boat trip you know down into mexico and uh, they're going to look for the warm water. And then once you're down into the fishing grounds there, the way we, we really fish for fish like that around here is um, you just start motoring around. Like trolling? Or? Well, the, you, the, there'll usually be some rods out. There's usually like four rods that'll be out the back that are kind of the boat rods. Um, and people get to uh, cycle through those rods if you get a hookup. But uh, what you do is you, you look for something that's floating in the water. So whether it's kelp, whether it's like a five-gallon bucket or just a, you know, part of a wooden door or a piece of wood 
or anything, if it's floating in the water, there's probably going to be fish under it, which is kind of crazy. So they'll do anything floating in the water and then, you know, then they'll start seeing fish on the, on the fish finders. And then, uh, deckhands will start throwing out some chum and then, uh, hopefully we'll get some hookups and you can pull some fish up, you know, depending on whether they're down deep, get them to come up or hopefully they're on the surface. Cause most of the fishing that you're going to be doing for like the yellowfin or the yellowtail, which are kind of like, you know, the most desirable fish that you want to catch, it's going to be on the surface. So you're going to want to like fly line, um, you know, anchovies or sardines, or if you got them like mackerel or brown bait, just whatever, you know, whatever's available, you're going to cap hook that up and cast that out there and keep it at the surface. So rarely would you put any weight on to get it down deep, you know, and try to bring them up from the depths if they're down deep and that's how you're going to hook up on them. So wait, is that, do you guys ever throw like actual poppers at them? Like you guys walking poppers back to the boat? Have you ever had any success doing that or no? You can throw those big, huge Cordell pencil poppers, you know? Yeah. Big, huge. You can do that. Or we have these um, yo-yo jigs or, big, uh, you know, cast iron out there. And that's, that's pretty common too. But I tell you, if they're, if they're fish, if you're hooking up on with live bait, I would say most people are going to probably be fishing live bait. So some people we might be throwing some jigs out. But you're going to, you know, whatever's catching fish is. This, this might seem like a stupid question, Matt, but you have to have a license of fish saltwater or how does that all work? So there's two licenses that you can get. So you get a saltwater license and if you get a fresh, uh, freshwater, you got to get the freshwater license. But if you're going offshore, uh, if you're going to go on a party boat and you're heading down to Mexico, you also got to get a Mexico, a Mexican license. But the captain, so when you buy your, so they they take care of that for you. You said, yep. And how much how much does a Mexico license cost? No, I've never had to buy a Mex uh, a, a less a license in Mexico for fishing in Mexico because every time I've ever fished down there, it's always taken care of by um, whoever is providing you. Oh. You know, so is that like uh, they buy a license and it applies for the group or? Uh, you know, I think they do and they get, I don't think it's per boat, it's per uh, per individual because, you know, you're going to have a fish limit too. So they got to keep yep. fishing regulations are pretty strict, you know, so it's like you just can't haul a bunch of fish in and then have them all flayed up and throw it in a bag and who knows what you actually caught. You've got to flaying your fish, you know, you got to like keep a skin tag on them and the flays have to be a certain length and all of this. So, um, they're pretty strict on all that. So I think the license applies per individual and they do like a head count. So, so that's just included in the initial cost of being on the boat. Right. Okay. So, uh, another question, Matt. So like, have you ever been stopped by like, uh, California, fishing game out there or no? I want to say I've probably been stopped two or three times. I've probably been checked. Is that freshwater and saltwater or? Actually, I think I've been checked once saltwater while fishing on a jetty up in Long Beach. 
That's the only time I've ever been checked saltwater. I've never been checked on a party boat. Like I've never seen any, you know, gotten off the boat and had anybody check me. Um, and the only other time I've been checked probably once or twice at lakes. So I guess another thing, um, I think your dad told me about this and I, I know your dad can be, but he always told me about like some of the pressure in California. Like he said that you and that friend that had the bass boat, you guys would always have to sleep at the boat dock or at the, like the launch. Is that true or no? Or how is the pressure at the California? We were just fishing nuts, you know, like you're a crazy fish person and you're like, well, I got I want to be first out there to go to, you know, to get, get the first spot in this particular cove on this particular lake. So, you know, the, the lakes would open at, I think like six o'clock. So you would just want in and it would be like up in LA. So, you know, you probably have an hour drive to get there. So you just want to, you, you got fishing from sun up to sundown. So you just wanted to get there on that lake as early as you could. So you get a full day of fishing in. But I would say, you know, there's sometimes when some of those lakes, there'd be a lot of boats. Um, so, you know, up in the LA area, but uh, you know, if you go, there's nobody, there's nobody anywhere, do whatever you want. Um, so I think there's a little bit more pressure now and there's some more restrictions on ways that you can fish due to drought conditions. So a lot of our reservoirs, uh, the water's pretty low. And when the water gets low, they start backing off on the days that you could fish. So like some of the lakes around me, I think two days that you can fish or three days. But when it comes to just the number of anglers on the lakes complain about it, I would say it's never been unreasonable. There's definitely been boats on there. So you know, when you say boats, is that purely like fishing boats or there's like a lot of recreational people too? That's part of the reason to get on the lake early too is because you might have a bunch of people that want to get on to, you know, water ski and stuff like that or use the lakes in other ways. And um, the boat ramps are kind of limited, you know, so it's, if you want to get on and get out there and get fishing in the morning. You don't want to wait in line while everybody's like, you know, ahead of you getting their ski boats going and stuff like that. That's, that's part of it. But I would say, I don't think the lakes are too heavily pressured. So usually, you know, if there's, heavy fishing pressure, uh, they'll, that's reflected in what you can catch. So as an example, like white sea bass used to be a huge thing in San Diego years and years ago, but then from, I'm not even sure what year they really disappeared, but from definitely from the eighties, well into the nineties, like it was really rare to catch a white sea bass. They just, they just didn't exist. You, couldn't find them. It'd be really rare to see them on a fish count and they'd always be undersized and you'd have to throw them back. But probably starting 10 or 15 years ago, like that whole fishery came back and now it's incredible. Like white sea bass is, is a huge fish now in San Diego. So you can go out there and catch, you know, 40 pound white sea bass. It's wow. Uh, Matt, I remember like a lot of the pier, like I remember when I went to Santa Monica Pier, maybe it's just uh, the pier itself, but I remember there was a lot of people like fishing there and like they were just like, I don't know if they were just chum fishing or what, but like I was just surprised how many people like lined the boundary or like the outskirts of that dock to just fish. If you don't want to catch, catch fish, fish from a pier. That's like the never fish. And 
you know, I don't even waste my time on a pier. It's just, I think it's just a complete waste of time. Not to say that's what it looked like. I mean, <laughs> I didn't see, I remember we were out there for like hours at a time and like ate at a restaurant and I swear I didn't see anybody catch a fish. Well, if you go walk by and see what every, in, what's in everybody's buckets, there's like some perch and, uh, you know, somebody might have like a shovel, you know, shovel nose shark or a leopard shark. Um, but that's it. You're not, I, I've never seen anybody really, truly worthwhile, worth spending a day just hanging out. Like if you go down to like the breakwater walls or the, you know, things like that, that's where you can catch some real fish from shore. So you just walk out on these jetties and uh, just use some, you know, some plastic or some jig. And, um, you can catch some fantastic calico bass or some striped sand bass, you know, spotted sand bass. Those are probably the three biggest things that you're going to catch doing that. You can catch some pretty nice halibut. Um, but if I'm going to do that kind of fishing, you know, I'd much rather just bring my kayak and just go kayak fishing and kind of get away from shore a little bit, get away from the rocks. And, um, you know, you can bounce some um, squid off the bottom or something like that and during the right season pull up some pretty impressive halibut. You know, it's definitely very possible to do that. Or I'll take my kayak and I've, one of my favorite things to do is to take my uh, kayak out to the kelp beds and you know, drop, st- drop some things down. When you go to the bait shop, you, you can just go and buy squid? Um, no, they're not going to sell you squid. Well, I, I, I should like, you can buy live squid sometimes, I believe. I've never done it before. I've never even seen it. Okay. The bait barges are going to have like the anchovies. So it depends on what what's available. Okay. It's a ton of fun though. Like I take my kids out on my double kayak. We'll just go to the bait barge and I'll just bring some, uh, some like, you know, some squid or some shrimp from the grocery store. You can buy, you know, I'm sure you can buy squid at your grocery store too, but. <laughs> no, you I don't you, think so. You haven't spent much time in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, people eat squid here, so it's actually great the grocery store and buy it or buy just buy some shrimp and uh that works great too or you can ask the deckhand on the bait barge if if you're set up for it with a little bait bucket you know i've got a little floating bait bucket bucket that i can drag behind the kayak you know give them a couple bucks and they'll give you some live anchovies or sardines and it's great fun especially for kids just to hang out around the bait barge because uh, there's a lot of fish around there, so you can catch um, uh, mackerel, bonita, some, you know, bunch of different types of sand bass. Or um, sometimes I've had some great success catching some pretty nice uh, barracuda, like 18-inch barracuda. You know, not keeping. Jeez. But you know, that's a that's a serious fish when you're fishing with like eight-pound test on a casting reel. Oh yeah. So. Uh, so when you talk about the bait barge, is that something you got to kayak out to? to... It's not shore at all. So yeah, it's like you could throw a rock almost from the shore and hit the bait barge. Okay. So that's kind of your bait shop there. So all of the party boats that go out for the day, um, so what they do is before they go out, they all go up and 
fill up all their bait tanks from the bait barge. And then that's the point where you head out wherever you may be going, whether you're heading down to Mexico or, uh, you know, just going off to some of the local islands here. Um, that's where you go to get your bait on squid. So, um, usually the captain, if that's what's happening, squid again, I've never seen squid sold at the bait barge. Um, that's something you buy from the store. You just, the, the captain would have already bought that for you. So, okay. Um, these party boats want you to catch fish. So they're going to have a bunch of frozen squid for you. I guess I didn't know you could buy squid at the store. Yeah. Every grocery store sells squid. That's crazy. Great. If you've never had that, have you had calamari? I mean, that's fried calamari. It's just fantastic. I think I, I don't know what it was, but it had tentacles and it was at the who hot here. I think that's the closest thing to squid that I've had. I don't know what it was. I mean, it could have been some small squid tentacles, but usually the squid uh, that you buy at the grocery store is probably six, eight inches long. I've seen squid that are like, you know, know, 18 inches long, two feet maybe, some big squid at some of the Asian markets here. Um, You can buy all kinds of crazy stuff. But uh, To go back on that ocean kayak fishing, so you tie yourself off to those kelp beds, right? And then you fish from them? Is that how that works? Or do you drift or how does that all work? really depends upon how the current is but i sometimes i'll tie off so i'll just grab a piece of kelp and tie it off on one of the sidelines um but uh you know so i fish from a sit inside kayak which is typically not what most people do but i really just like paddling that type of kayak a lot better and i so i stuff my pole inside so i have like a, a really short casting reel that i use and um stick it inside my boat um, and I've got the full spray skirt and all of that, you know, so I'm like really locked in there um, and paddle out there. And then, so I have less control than a lot of these guys that have the sit on top kayaks with the foot pedals, you know, where you can really control your, your movement better and deal with the current. Um, Cause if there's a lot of current, it's really going to want pushing you right into the, so I'll kind of like hang off on the edge of the kelp and then just cast along the edges of the kelp <clears throat> or I'll find like a hole, you know, and then drop something down and jig it up and down and try to pull the bass out um, doing that. So that's usually the way that I'll fish for, or I'll go into like a channel um, and go for halibut where I'll, again, I'll, I'll just um, paddle. Um, so I'll figure out, you know, you, you're going to know what way the current's, pushing you. So if the tide's coming in, I'll, you know, go as far out as I can towards the front of the channel where there's, uh, like the middle of the channel. And then I'll, I'll drop, uh, whatever bait I've got. Maybe it's a big chunk of squid or shrimp or something like that with some weight. I'll get it down there. So a lot of these channels aren't really too deep, you know, they might be 30, 40 feet deep. Okay. Much deeper than that. Some of them are, I'm sure, quite a bit shallower than that, like for like a Mission Bay channel, which is a man-made, uh, little man-made bay. And then you just let the current push you back into the bay. You'll kind of like uh, feel your weight uh, bounce off the bottom. <clears throat> so you would also spearfish, right? You'd like have a wetsuit on and you would tie up to that kelp bed and then you go spearfishing from there? Yes, that's where, that's much more exciting and, and um less frustrating where you're not going to get all tangled up in the kelp. 
So I love to do that. So it depends on where the kelp is though. So if you don't have any kelp, it's much harder to find fish, you know, but, um, so another place that I'll, so anyway, if there's kelp, yeah, you swim out there or I'll take my kayak, get out of the kayak. So I'll take my sit on top and, uh, tie it off on the kelp and just start swimming out there. So my favorite thing to do is my strategy for fishing for trying to spear. Like if I'm going, it depends on what I'm going for. Really. If I'm going to go for kelp bass, or spotted sand bass or the striped sand bass, or if there are yellowtail in the area, you know, I'll use different spears. So like one thing I like to do, it's fun to fish for, or try to spear fish for um, like kelp bass or what I do is, um, you know, I got my wetsuit on and I'll use it and I just kind of swim out there right off uh, kind of the rocky uh, banks. And uh, you just kind of let the current just kind of push you along, you know, so it's just kind of pushing me down the shoreline and I just kind of float. You're like dead still. You might be in like 15 feet of water, uh, maybe 20 feet, much deeper than that. Depends on how clear the water is. And the kelp, the kelp grows in 15 foot of water? Where I'm looking for just a sandy bottom. I'm really looking for just sandy bottoms. Oh, Okay. So this is where I'm going to find like the striped sand bass just hanging out on a sandy bottom. And what I'll do is I'll just like float over them trying to be dead, you know, dead still. And just, and I may kick really gently or move my hands really gently just to try to get right over the top of the fish. So once I spot a fish, I'll try to get right over the top of it. And then you'll take a deep breath and I'll try to come straight down, like right on top of them. Right. So kick down there. And usually like when you're right about ready within distance to spear them, you'll see their little, they kind of like roll sideways just a little bit and you'll see their eyes look right up at you. <laughs> that happens. You've got like a half a second. I hope you're like close enough and they're big enough and you're all dialed in and boom. How, how close do you have to be to be able to throw that spear underwater? Uh, you're probably, I would say six feet, probably. Okay. Matt, do you have like any experiences with sharks? Like in, when you're out there, I feel like there's everybody's like big fear from the Midwest is sharks in the salt water. Yeah. If you saw a shark, you'd be super excited. It'd be like amazing. To see. The only sharks that I've seen are the leopard sharks, which I've caught, I've kayaked over them and snorkeled with them before and you know, they get pretty big, six feet. At least they look that big underwater. Um, but they're probably, you know, you'll find them that big. And um, they're, they're going to be on, in the shallows, like uh, on the sandy, uh, in the sandy shallows. And uh, they're totally harmless, though. They look intimidating. But it's exciting to see those. And uh, I could take, you know, actually, when you came out to visit and you went kayaking, that is a prime that is, if you want to see leopard sharks, that's where you go to see leopard sharks. So during the summer there, literally you could see hundreds of leopard sharks there. And uh, if you flew a drone over there, I'm sure there might be some YouTube videos of leopard sharks off of La Jolla shores. There's just hundreds of them. They're everywhere. So you can just swim, you know, every 20 feet, there's another leopard shark just hanging out there in the shallows. Um, but again, they're totally harmless. They eat little crustaceans. Um, 
I don't even, I think their, their teeth are like sandpaper, you know, so they're totally harmless, but they're super cool when you see them underwater. Can you catch them? Yeah, you can catch them. So uh, I think most people would release them. I don't think they're good eating. I've never heard of anybody that eat those. The only sharks that I know that people really eat around here would be like the thresher sharks. Because those leopard sharks sound pretty fun because you could target them on a, on a fly rod. Um, yeah, you probably could. I, I've never tried that. I've never looked into that. Cause they're kind of, cause they're a flat fish, right? Cause they kind of stick on the, sit on the flats, right? Um, well, they're probably going to be in probably 10 feet of water at least. Okay. Feed really on the bottom though. So I don't think you're going to get them to come up to the surface. So I've fly fish from my kayak before, um, kind of in Mission Bay though around the bridge areas around the pillars and stuff like that and caught small, uh, you know, small calico bass. I think that's really the only thing, but it, that was exciting, you know, as a light. Yeah. No, you should definitely uh, look into, um, I know people talk about it, uh, going like Mako shark fishing. I, yeah. remember, I remember we talked about it a little bit, but. I think that's a huge, uh, like kind of a Florida thing. Is that more Florida? Yeah, you could fly fish for, say, yellowtail out here. So, our, uh, you know, again, our big ocean fish would be like yellowfin tuna. Incredible fighter, though, and like one of the best tasting fish you can ever have. And, uh, and barracuda would feed on the surface. You could probably fish for bonita and mackerel. But it, I would think fly fishing is, you know, hard fishing. Yeah. Those fish, they do come around the kelp patties. They do come close to shore, but you're, you're more lucky to have them close to you like that. Cause again, usually if you're going to fish for yellowfin or yellowtail, you're going to, you're going to need a boat and you're probably going to need to go on a long trip down South in New Mexico. No, that's usually where you got to go or you're going to go to like, you know, um, the Coronado islands. So it's a, it's a, it's a good boat ride. If your boat's only traveling 12 knots. You know, you're going to spend a couple hours going to wherever you fish. So most of those spots are totally inaccessible to a kayak. Um, so there's a lot of say like white sea bass off of Catalina Island you could bring your kayak over there and fish off of those islands and maybe catch some white sea bass off of there. But, um, you know, it's kind of scary sometimes being out in your kayak in the middle of the ocean because it doesn't take you long, especially if you've got like a kayak that I have that where it's a super streamlined sit inside kayak, you know, with the spray skirt and all of that. Like you, you kayak, you know, head West for 15 minutes and you turn around and look at the shoreline and it's like a thin little, razor's edge of life that you see of land that you see out there you know and you're like wow here i am like all by myself out in the middle of the ocean and you know things can get pretty hairy pretty quick if you aren't prepared all of a sudden you know cloud bank moves in fog moves in which happens you know every evening kind of and all of a sudden you know you're relying on a compass and your ears to figure out where the way where the shore break begins and where you need to go to get back to land. So 
Have you had to personally experience that? Like going through like a... I've gotten out there before and had fog start rolling in. This is one time, yeah, I was like having a great day out there fishing and the fog started rolling and uh, the swell started to get pumped up. And I was like, you know what? I'm out here by myself. I should probably come in. So I paddled in, started paddling in. And uh, where I launched from uh, was it, it's an area called Bird Rock. And so there's a lot of rocks and a couple little narrow little sandy beaches. And um, so the swells had gotten pretty big though. And it was kind of like a tough shore break where the waves were just really breaking right on the sand. What you do is you got to time the sets. So I was just hanging out right behind the waves where they're starting to break. You don't want to get caught into that. And you got to time it. So, you know, the last set moves through and you've got smooth water for the most part. And then you just paddle like hell as fast as you can and go as far as you can and hope you make it to sand or shallow water where you can jump out of your kayak and drag it onto shore before you get pounded by a big wave. So I was just hanging back, waiting for these to finish up so I could paddle in. And I got a moment, you know, it was like, okay, set came through. I had timed it. Everything was looking great. I was just like paddle like hell. I was just about to, you know, make it to where I could pop out of the boat and make it ashore. And all of a sudden I got sucked into the shore break, big, huge, you know, breaking wave pulled me out, literally lifted my entire kayak up and just threw me over and slammed me on the sand you know, so I'm like half in the sand, half in the water. Oh my gosh. It pops off. You know, I pop out of the boat. All my fishing gear just flies everywhere. I had on my prescription sunglasses. They flew off into the water. My kayak's half filled up with water now. So now it literally weighs probably a thousand pounds. Jeez. I look up, there's some lady way up on a sidewalk up there, just with pushing a stroller, like staring at me. <laughs> moment that I realized that I had been fishing actually in some pajama bottoms. Cause I was like, you know, I'm just going out for the day. Big deal. You know, <laughs> well, my pajama bottoms were no longer on my bottom. Anymore. <laughs> so here I am like half naked, actually fully naked oh my God. My shirt on my pajama bottoms are wrapped around one ankle <laughs> here. And she yells out to me. She's like, uh, you know, a, a voice of concern. You need help. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. <laughs> back on. I'm okay. So I like, you know, grab my pants, pull those back on. They're all wet though, you know, so they don't really want to stay on. I'm trying to find my fishing gear with my foot and all this, you know, the murky water now, cause it's right in the shore break. I find my fishing pole, I throw that up in the sand. Again, my kayak wants to get pulled out now cause it's all filled with water. Uh, you know, I'm looking for, I have no sunglasses or my glasses anymore, so I can't see anything. Um, f- you know, find some other fishing tackle, throw that up on the beach, reach the point where I'm like, okay, I've lost a bunch of stuff. I'm never going to, let's just get the kayak back onto the sand. I'm trying to pull it every time a big wave comes in now, like I'm trying to pull it up another two feet, you know, onto the sand, trying to get it as far as I can out of the water. So at least it's not going to get washed back out. Finally got it onto the sand, you know, where I can pump out all the water. But that was like an ordeal. That was like, oh man, that was like, 
I hope that doesn't happen again. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Getting back in is where you got to deal with the waves and you got to time those sets to get out safely because the worst thing that can happen is you get tipped over and you lose all your stuff. You know? Going out in the ocean, I always assume like sharks, you know, hurricanes and like... <laughs> From an well, Iowan standpoint. From, like, like, from an Iowa standpoint. Like, that's our biggest worry. You would be so lucky if you ever saw a shark. So, again, I've got a party boats. I don't even know how many times. And it's a really, really rare occasion to actually see a shark, let alone catch a shark. So, I've been on boats a couple times where people have hooked up. But, you know, usually if you're, like, fly lining uh, anchovies or something and you hook up to a shark, you're probably going to break off. So, not unless you really hook them right perfectly where they're not going to break you off. Um, and the captain's never going to let you fish for sharks because it is a party boat. You got people. And if you hook it up and you bring it up and you get it actually to the boat, they're not going to, they're never going to gaff it and bring it on board. How about, uh, do you ever see many, like is orcas around you guys or dolphins or anything like that when you've been on those party boats? Yeah, you'll definitely see dolphins like every trip, dolphins all the time. And, um, You'll definitely see sea lions. So the sea lions have actually... They've taken over California. They are? They're out, I think they're outnumbering all the liberals there. <laughs> <laughs> sea lions are everywhere. And actually, they're a nemesis. You know, they're definitely protected. Like, you can't mess with them and you definitely can't kill them. Um, but uh, I've, you know, if you've caught fish off the coast of California, it's pretty frustrating to, like fight, you know, a 20, 20 pound yellowfin or yellowtail and be reeling it in and having a great fight. And all of a sudden the line's like, wow, this has gotten really easy for some reason. And you reel in and you're reeling in as fast as you can. You know, they're like, what happened? Is the fish swimming towards me? You know, why is the line all slack? And all of a sudden you, the, the head of this 20 pound fish that you just you know, hooked comes flying in your face and Jeez. the head, cause the rest of it just got eaten by a sea lion, you know? <laughs> that's crazy. So that's the fishing pressure you deal with, those sea lions. Really? Like, if, you know, I'm telling you how it's great fun to just go to the bait barges and uh, fish around there to catch fish. But it's hard to do that now because if the sea lions are hungry, you're not going to catch anything because the sea lions hang out on the bait barges. They're just, you know, there'll be like half a dozen sea lions just laying on the bait barge waiting for you to catch something. And then they'll just go eat it, you know, or they've just scared all the fish out away already. Are sea lions a native there or no? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Is there like a management plan for them? Or are they just going to like, just allow them to like, just keep reproducing and take over at Los Angeles or what? No, I, um, you definitely can't hunt them. Right. Oh, so I believe that there is no plan to manage them other than to let them live. Right. Hmm. All of these areas that they once populated. So Because they've taken over like public like beaches, haven't they about in some yeah. places? It's a huge tourist draw. So, you know, tourists love it. And uh, communities probably make a lot more money from the sea lions than they do from charter fishing and stuff like that. So um, people love to see the sea lions, you know, and if you can go to a beach and there's 50 sea lions, hundreds of sea lions on the beach, you know, people love it. So right now we're getting close to pupping season. I think that's probably coming up in the next month or so. And people just love to go to the beach. You know, there's a popular beach, La Jolla Cove. There's a, a place called children's pool 
which is a nice little protected uh, cove area that um, the sea lions have monopolized and made it their own. And that's kind of like a pupping birthing ground. And there'll be hundreds of sea lions packed up in there. Are sea lions, are they aggressive or like if you approach them? Uh, they, they can be, they're kind of like a dog, like a, a, a wild dog is how I would characterize them. They're very neat when you're snorkeling to be swimming around them. They just, they'll just, they just look like friendly little puppies, you know, those yep. kind of close to you, but you don't want to get too close cause, um, they'll bite you, you know, they will bite you. Oh, really? I've been close to them and I've had them swim at me kind of where they swim towards your face and then kind of dart off. And then that's kind of like your, maybe that's their sign telling you time for you to like back away. So how horrific is a sea lion bite? Like what does a sea lion bite look like? Might be like a a nasty dog bite. Okay. Usually if you're swimming around them, um, it's where, there's uh, heavy populations of them and they just, you know, they poop everywhere. So it's kind of like swimming in a toilet in a way. <laughs> so, and like, it's just kind of a tourist thing that like people who are non-residents or not from the area, think they're cool. Uh, I think tourists love them. And I would say re- residents for the most part, love them. I would say people that make money off of tourism, love them. Uh, there's, there's been litigation going on about sea lions for probably decades now, especially about the sea lions that congregate in this uh, children's pool area, uh, because that area was actually constructed and dedicated by, I don't know who it was, Scripps, I think, um, was the person who's, you know, donated tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars to hospitals and stuff like that. And they built this many, many years ago, I think, you know, I don't even know how long, like, many, many decades ago, built this little wall that shield that created this little, little cove area. And, um, the sea lions have taken over that now, but that was dedicated and constructed for kids, kids in the community. So if you're a kid in the community, you can't really swim there now. Cause it's like a cesspool. Cause there's so many sea lions there. And all they do is just, you know, lay on the beach and you can't, because that's a violation of state law, maybe federal law. And you don't really want to swim there because it's there's just so much fecal matter in the water and the bacteria concentrations is too high and you're going to end up with a nasty infection. Um, so you have one group that wants to return that area to the kids in the community and then the others that either make money off of the sea lions there or, you know, they love the animals and they just want the animals to live there too. So, but there's a lot of beaches throughout San Diego now where you can find sea lions. They're just, they're, they're kind of everywhere, but there are, they really love the protected little Bay areas, you know, whether it's a Harbor or these protected bay where I'll go snorkeling. So there's a great area called the, the La Jolla Cove where there's some really neat caves and uh, a lot of great little reef, uh, rocky reef structure, and it's a beautiful um, snorkeling location. I was actually this, there last week. And uh, the water was just crystal clear. It looked like you were in the Bahamas. Um, and there was a lot of sea lions out there. I didn't go snorkeling, though, that day. But um, the water's still really cold here. So That's where Sydney and I went snorkeling. Did you guys there? Did you go snorkeling there? Yeah, we, take- 
we did, but the water wasn't like you were talking about. It was pretty murky. Yeah. So it's all hit or miss. So one day you can be there and the visibility is five feet. The next day it's, you know, 25 feet. So, um, but I did kind yeah. of a cool experience at the sea line. I remember, uh, we were just like getting ready to leave and I was coming in like, kind of like riding a wave in just with my body swimming. I looked to my right and there was a sea lion also riding that wave. <laughs> doing like, the same thing. Like doing the same thing, like 10 <laughs> feet away from me. It's really cool. And that whole area is like, you know, a protected uh, underwater nature preserve. Um, so the fish population is great there. There's some really amazing stuff you can see. You know, there's a state fish, a state ocean fish, Garibaldi. It's like a huge, big orange fish. Uh, those are really neat to see, you know, underwater. They're really territorial, so they'll swim up to you and, like, swim right at you, and they make a weird grunting sound to try to get you to back off. I feel like I saw one of those. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> they, is that right? I thought it, was like a, it looked like a big goldfish. <laughs> the water was so murky. But. If, if they were legal to spear, you know, you, you could kill every single one of them because they're just big and dumb. and. <laughs>